So I'm going to start my sermon today by reading one article from the CBWC identity statement. Would you show it up there? It's about separation of church and state. I'm gonna read this for you. We affirm the practice of religious liberty and freedom of conscience to be essential to the security and well-being of both church and state, and recognize the unique and separate functions of each. The church is called to be served and light in the world, pointing to the kingdom of God and contributing to the greater good of all. Amen. Amen. I believe that in order to address the topic we are going to share today, it is important to first recognize where we stand on this topic. The places we can find in the identity statement we have just read are the church and the kingdom of God. In other words, as a Christians, we are people who are together in the church community, and we are living the church community toward the kingdom of God. John chapter 18, verse 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this word. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, Apostle Paul said, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. And he keeps saying in chapter 3, verse 1 to 4, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sight on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 to 21, Apostle Paul say, but we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. The Bible verses I just read are a statement of who we are. And based on this conviction, I'd like to take a moment to talk with you about today's scripture, Romans chapter 13. Today, we read Romans chapter 13 together. For most Christians, the book of Romans is a very beloved book, isn't it? I love Romans 
So I insist to you to love Romans as well. <laughs> However, chapter 13, especially from verses 1 to 7, we read today, are verses that pastors often skip to preach. Many reasons. Especially Father's Day. <laughs> so maybe Pastor Scott gave me this text and went on vacation. What a great guy. <laughs> if you ask me what the book of Romans is about, I will answer that Romans is a book about new life. And if I talk about Romans in a little bit more detail, Romans chapter 1 to 11 have a detailed and logical explanation of what the new life is. And Romans chapter 12 to 16 are practical applications of that new life. So chapter 13 is one of the practical applications of the new life Paul is talking about. I believe this scripture we, which we read today is Paul's answer to this question. This question is, what is the Christian's responsibility to society and to the government in particular? Have you ever think about this question? And then have you ever answered to this question? I believe that scripture what we read is the answer about this question. I might be able to brief, briefly summarize his answer like this one. He said, first, submit government. And second, pay taxes. <laughs> Very simple. His answer for this question. So Pastor Scott gave a great sermon on paying tax last week. So I'm going to skip that part today. So I'm going to focus a little more on Paul's first answer. Submit to government. I believe that Apostle Paul presents seven reasons why Christians are to submit to the human government in this scripture. So I'm going to very, give you very briefly the seven reasons. If you want to write down, ready. Number one, <laughs> government is by divine decree. In verse one, it says, for all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Paul says, human government is ordained by God for the benefit of a society. In whatever of the many forms in it exist, civil authority derives directly from God. Like marriage, it is a universal institution of God and like a marriage, it is valid regardless of place, circumstance, or any other consideration. So that is the primary reason we are to submit to human government. It is instituted by the decree of God and is an integral part of His divine plan for fallen mankind. That's the number one reason. Number two, resistant government is rebellion against an institution of God. We just said government is by divine decree. So 
Resistance to government is rebellion against an institution of God. It's a simple. The verse 2 says, So anyone who rebel against authority is rebelling against with what God has instituted. So number three reasons. Those who resist government will be punished. It says, and they will be punished. So when, when Jesus was being taken prisoner in the garden uh, to be unjustly accused and executed, so Peter drew a sword to fight the soldiers, fight the authorities who came to take him. If ever there was a just cause for revolt, that would seem to have been it. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into his place. For all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Number four reason. Government serves to restrain evil. Verse three says, for the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Makes sense, right? No? So far, so good? I, I already give you permission. You can have a sleep. <laughs> I'm going to go keep doing this one. Number five, government serves to promote good. In verse three and verse four says, would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants. Send for your good. Number six, rules are empowered by God to inflict punishment for disobedience. In first verse, verse still says, but if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, but they have the power to punish you. They are God's servant, sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. As I read already about Jesus, Jesus was reminding his disciple that the penalty for his killing one of Jesus' enemies would be to perish himself through execution, which the Lord acknowledges would be justified. The last reason, number seven, government should be submitted for, the, for conscience' sake. Verse 5 said, so you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. So Christians are to submit to civil authority, not only out of fear of punishment, because of wrath, but also for their own conscience sake, which for the Christians is for the Lord's sake. So this, these are the seven reasons why we need to submit to government according to Paul. So, if you understand and agree with this answer Paul gave now, then you just have to live by that answer. Simple, right? Or even if you understand this answer but don't agree with it, with it then you have to ask yourself the honest question, what do I disagree with? What is keep bothering you? I think everyone, everyone hesitates the word 
submit, isn't it? Wouldn't it be more hesitant to submit to a government authority that I don't particularly like? Especially since we live in a country where religious freedom is completely permitted. The reason we don't like any government is because it conflicts with all benefits or interest. The problem is a little more complicated, especially when our values and interests as Christians conflict with the government. Sometimes I found that even spiritual and moral battles are often fought by worldly, materialistic means. If I'm saying this now, it's probably saying that we should respond differently, right? So here I believe we need to check where we stand that I talked about earlier. So I, I believe, I believe that the issue is all of those things is the matter of a priority, of realizing that even the greatest earthly good we may be able to accomplish in the temporal world pales beside what the Lord is able to accomplish through us in the spiritual work of his kingdom. As we know, because most of Jews of that day believed the Messiah would come as a political deliverer. Also, many of Jesus' disciples expect him to free them from the Roman yoke. But he made no call political or social reform. Even by peaceful means, right? He never attempted to capture the culture for biblical morality or to gain greater freedom. And also Paul is speaking specifically to Christians, declaring in effect that Christianity and good citizenship should go together. And as he will continue to explain his books, subjection to the governing authorities includes much more than simply obeying civil laws. It also includes genuine honor and respect for government officers as God's agents for maintaining order and justice in human society. Yes, we must speak against sin, right? Yes, we must against injustice again in morality and a godly with a fearless dedication. But we must do it within the framework of civil law and with respect for civil authorities. We are to be a godly society, doing good and living peaceably within an ungodly society, manifesting our transformed lives so that the saving power of God is sin clearly. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 to 16, Apostle Peter says, For the Lord's sake, submit all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. 
It's God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. So for you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. I believe God instituted civil authority for entirely different temporal and transient purpose. Also, I believe what Jesus said at John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the word that he gave his one and only son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I believe that our Lord loves not only us, his disciples, but also all unsaved souls on earth equally. So in most matters, we are to respect and obey civil laws or ordinances. Even when conscience leaves us no alternative but to disobey human authority, authority, we do so with respect and with willingness to suffer whatever penalties or consequences may result. Just like what Jesus and his, his disciple did. I would like to close the sermon by sharing the words from Pastor Timothy Keller and Pastor J.D. Greer with you. Timothy Keller said this, in the Good Samaritan parable told in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus points us to a man risking his life to give material help to someone of a different race and religion. Jesus forbids us to withhold help from our neighbors, and this will inevitably require that we participate in political processes. If we experience exclusion and even persecution for doing so, we are sure that God is with us and that some will still see our good deeds and glorify God. If we are only offensive or only attractive to the world and not both, we can be sure we are failing to live as we ought. And Pastor J.D. Greer said this one, our politicians and governors, as flawed as they are, hmm. <laughs> I think I feel like I need to read one more time. So our politicians and governors, as flawed as they are, have been put in place and empowered by God. They are his servant, meant to promote the good and punish the bad in our society. And God commands us to submit to them. But our submission is always to be informed by our allegiance to the great commandment to love God above all else and love our neighbors as ourselves. We may think that we are most effective when venting our frustration with politicians. But to God, we are most effective when we actively love one another. Amen. Amen. Amen.